Welcome, everyone, to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan Jayaraja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And folks, it's week three of the college football season. And first, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they are here to help. And we've got a great show ahead of you guys. We've actually got two interviews this week. It's a two-interview week. Uh, we've got Dean Straka from SportsPage.com to help preview Texas versus, or excuse me, TCU versus Ohio State. And then we have Danny Davis from the Austin American Statesman to preview Texas as they take on USC. And really, it's been a while since we've had two of the biggest games in the nation both take place in the state of Texas. And and both of these do. Actually, you know, a little bit behind the curtain, I kind of had to pick, you know, which one am I going to go to? Am I going to go to TCU Ohio State, which is at AT&T Stadium in Arlington? Am I going to go to Texas versus USC? And, you know, college game, they kind of helped with that. Uh, you know, Texas losing early kind of helped with that. But it's going to be a really exciting weekend for anybody following football in the state of Texas. And even outside of it, I mean, we'll get to it later, but UNT versus Arkansas is going to be an absolutely tremendous game. I mean, UNT has a real chance to make a statement here. If they can beat Arkansas, then all of a sudden you start putting them in that whole group of five uh, New Year's Six spot discussion. It, it really is going to be a huge weekend. Um Week two is sort of that transitionary week because week one, we have some of these big matchups. Week three, you kind of jump ahead um, and start to have more of these sort of marquee matchups. Week two is sort of that transitionary week. Uh, but week three is here. There are going to be some big matchups. And we'll be back with you after the break to talk to Dean Straka from sportspage.com. And we'll be joined after him by Danny Davis. So stick around. We're just getting started. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm here today with Dean Straka from sportspage.com. By the way, that's how we pronounce it, right? Oh yeah, oh you got it right. Okay, okay, because you know, it's spts.page.com. You know, you just never know. It throws some folks off, but you got it right, right sportspage.com. Right. We're actually here live right now from Fort Worth. We're in the TCU practice facility. Uh, Dean, I mean, what, what do you think of TCU so far? Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly it's cool seeing Sean kind of begin his, you know, tenure as the starting quarterback, the guy. Um, you know, obviously he had a pretty good performance uh, in the first half of week one versus Southern uh, last Friday at SMU, a little bit of a sloppy contest. You had that, you know, pick in the second half on the first drive. Um, but the kid can run. I mean, the kid has a lot of talent, potential, a lot of speed. Um, though he may have been a little bit banged up after the game, as we heard today from Gary Patterson. But, uh, you know, the O-line, obviously, um, probably better than what we expected so far. Granted, just two games against teams that aren't really the same caliber as Ohio State, of course. But sure. um you know, a lot of speed on TCU, a lot of youth, but a lot of uh, things to look forward to, and I think it'll be cool to see what they can accomplish as Ohio State rolls into town. Yeah, well, we also want to give a quick thank you to North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. And, yeah, I think you're right. So, obviously, TCU, the first two weeks of the season, have, has been pretty impressive. I mean, again, against two sort of subpar opponents in Southern and SMU. Uh, and SMU, they took a little bit of time to pull away, but it was a rainy game. I mean, it, and SMU versus TCU is always weird. Yeah, the last four years in a row, it's always been SMU scoring first, but TCU's won comfortably pretty much in all, all those games. Yeah, I think this, this stat was... This was, uh, this was the first time that TCU went down by nine or more points in the first half, and the time that they did before was last year against SMU. And obviously they went on to win that game by 30-ish points as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but at the same time, again, you know, there are a lot of changes on this team from last season. Um, obviously the most obvious one is under center, but, but you did replace a couple of offensive linemen. You lost Kyle Hicks. Uh, you know, how, how do you think the new pieces have kind of integrated so far? Yeah, I mean, you know, this year's a year where you're going to see a lot more new guys playing, I think, with the redshirt rule, for one thing. Um, I think Sean really has stepped in pretty well. I mean, I think a big reason, too, is for Kenny Hill being here as a coach on campus, too. He has a guy who was his mentor last year saying, hey, you know, this is how you do it. Don't worry. Like, I was here in the same spot as you. So I think for Sean, having that presence has really been a huge boost for him. And Gary said that repeatedly already. Um, You know, beyond that, I mean, Anthony McKinney, a guy on the O-line who's made an impact right away with his size, Juco transfer. Um, but, you know, all in all, I mean, you see a lot of guys who really are showing a lot of maturity, I think. Even, you know, Amari Demarcado, a Juco transfer as well from Southern California um, Community College, um, Saddleback, he's been really good for, you know, a guy who's fresh into TCU. Um, a lot of guys um, who really have, I think, you know, stepped up already just two weeks into the year. Well, early against SMU, you know, they did struggle a little bit with tackling. Obviously, they had that breakaway 51-yard run. Do you think that that's reason for concern, or do you think, again, it was one play? Yeah, I mean, you know, there was certainly some, you know, it was kind of like, okay, yeah, that wasn't great. But, again, you know, one play, 
uh, you're in sloppy conditions on a two-hour delay. So I wouldn't put too much stock in that. I mean, yeah, it's something to work on. You know, watch the film and be like, okay, you know, this is what happened here. Don't do it again. But uh, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. I mean, we saw them settle down, obviously, in the second half with a shutout performance. So I wouldn't be uh, declaring that the sky is falling because of that one play that you saw early in a weird rivalry game. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny? Other than that one run, rushing play, they actually held them to 2.5 yards per carry. Yeah. So, again, I, I mean... There were some concerns, especially up the middle, uh, once they lost Ross Blacklock at defensive tackle. Certainly. Um, but they have so much depth at that position, and, and on the defensive line in general right now. You know, you talk about Banigou, you talk about Rodnax. You know, there's so many guys out there who I think that they can throw at uh, at opposing rushing defense or rushing yeah. offenses. And Summers adjusting too from linebacker to defensive end. Yeah, you have LJ back coming good. now. Uh, you know, you may have other guys like Markel Simmons coming back on defense too. It's going to be, I think, a lot more complete this week than it has been the last two years or last two weeks yeah um, we'll see I, I think that Summers has looked really good in this role yeah he's and he's been a versatile guy ever since he got to TCU it's not sure. really anything he's not accustomed to and uh, you know being a senior now who's already got his degree in hand it's uh, you know cool to see him step up and kind of take that leadership role and own the defense yeah I, I always kind of felt like after you know he kind of had a breakout season a couple of years ago 2015 yeah. 2015 you know and and he kind of took not not a step back. I, I think it's unfair to him to say that. You know, his opportunity changed as well. But he really does look comfortable in this role. We're seeing flashes of what he was early in his career at TCU. Um, and I think that really bodes well because, you know, you lost Matt Bozen, obviously, from uh, last year's team. He was a guy who had, what, ten and a half sacks. And, and you know, four of them came against Had a record, yeah, in that failure game. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, but still had six and a half sacks against everybody else as well. And, um, you know, he was a real difference maker. And more than anything, I mean, obviously, Banigou is the guy on defense, uh, on the defensive line, who really can go in there and cause a lot of trouble and wreak some havoc, but having a guy like Bozen on the other side was, was really helpful towards that, too. And now, with Summer stepping in, and his playing time at, at defensive end, I'm sure, will change a little bit now that LJ Collier is going to be back, but to just have that many guys to throw out there opposite Banigou, I mean, that's got to help. Yeah, I mean, this has got to be, I think, one of the deepest teams uh, you know, TCU's had in recent memory as far as options go. I mean, obviously a lot of youth, but uh, that's the thing to cheer about for sure heading into a game like Ohio State. You know, you have a very talented offense with Dwayne Haskins, J.K. Dobbins, more guys beyond that too. But, um, you know, Gary, I think, certainly can't complain about the options he has uh, given how daunting this weekend could be for the Frogs. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and go to this weekend. So obviously this game, Saturday night at AT&T Stadium. Technically, it's a neutral site game, but, uh, you know, ESPN's College Game Day is going to be here in Fort Worth on Saturday morning. Uh, you know, Mark Cohen, the, the SID at TC, was even talking about, oh, well, we can just basically stay in our, t- our home hotel. You know, we basically don't have to travel at all. Um, you know, it's a, it's a short drive away. There's going to be plenty of TCU fans there. There's going to be plenty of Ohio State fans there, too, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are your initial expectations for this game? Yeah, I mean, well, for one, I was surprised they were bringing game day to campus, too, given that it is a neutral site game. But it's a cool opportunity for TCU to get some PR uh, whether or not OSU fans like that, it's a different story. But, um, you know, it's a game that, like Gary was saying, I think it's just a testament to how far TCU's come as a program. Like, you know, 10 years ago, you would never think that TCU would be playing at AT&T Stadium, primetime game, top 25 game, with game day here. And now you have them going against a team that's won eight national titles. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a test. I mean, it's going to be a lot of bruises no matter what, win or lose. Uh, it's it's going to be a dogfight. But, um, you know, you have a coach who has finished in the top 10 three of the last four years um, versus a, co- a coach who, you know, won't be present on game day, but is still, you know, getting them ready in Urban Meyer right now. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it progresses. Um, I think TCU has to get off to a fast start last year against Oklahoma when they were last at the venue. Obviously, a slow start kind of plugged them in the Big 12 title game. So if they can get off to a good start, um, it could be an interesting one, but uh, it's going to be a task. Uh, the Ohio State D-line is going to be a very, very daunting challenge for, you know, a new TCU O-line pretty much from scratch, so uh, I'll be curious to see who wins that battle, but if TCU's O-line can hold up pretty well, then I think it could be a good game from start to end. Yeah, you know, TCU's been around so long as an elite program, it it is kind of funny to think that this is only the third time that game day's been to campus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's, that really is such a big opportunity. The the second time was just last year. Yeah, this is twice in a year they've had it now, or they will have had it on campus. Right, right, And, and the only time before that that it had ever been at TCU was back in 2010. And so, again, you just see the profile of this program raising. 
Um, and, and I know that, that uh, Coach Patterson isn't necessarily the biggest when it comes to you know, having to go out and market the program. He prefers results to be it, but the results are showing up and people are interested. And, and again, this is just such a big opportunity, I think, for TCU and Fort Worth and the program to really uh, raise its profile. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Fort Worth too. I mean, a city that's growing drastically right now. People might not really realize what it has to offer, but with them coming, you know, for a game day twice for first uh, Florida State, Oklahoma State, and downtown, then again Wisconsin and Bama, and now twice for TCU itself. I mean, that that's that does wonders for a city too, not just TCU. I mean, it helps you know market a small school, only about nine thousand students a year, but it's definitely you know more than just a football game in that regards. Well, last week, uh, you know, obviously the show was at Texas A&M versus Clemson, watching one of the best defensive lines that we've ever seen play against Texas A&M. Now we're going to see another one on Saturday as TCU faced off against Ohio State's defensive line. How do you think uh, TCU is going to be able to match up with that up front? Yeah, you know, like I was saying, obviously you have a O line at TCU that's been pretty much replaced, you know, save two guys, uh, you know, as far as starters go, and then you have the guy like Nick Bosa on the other side. Um, you know, certainly that's going to be, I think, the biggest key as to whether or not TCU can keep up. Uh, we, you know, saw a lot of, I think, promise for what we expected in the last two weeks. But if they can't, you know, hold up on Saturday night, then it could be a long day for Sean Robinson to kill. It could mean having, having to make those plays that won him the state title, you know, in Soto a few years back, uh, which is not easy to do now that he's at a whole new level. So um, it, it's hard to say because Gary, you know, is a guy that we always have seen coach guys up to the next level when nobody gives him a chance. But uh, he, you know, he's he said that Ohio State's one of the best teams he's ever seen. This might be the best Ohio State team he's ever seen, for that matter, ever, other than maybe the national title team that won in 14. But, uh, you know, this is a game that, obviously, the Frogs are going to have a lot of work to do. Uh, nothing will come easy to them. But, uh, you know, Gary's shown every every year that he can always show up for the games that nobody thinks he has a shot in. So uh, I'll be excited to see what can happen on the field. Well, the Star-Telegram had a report that uh, that TCU really might – run out both quarterbacks at different times during the game. Obviously, Sean Robinson being the starter and Michael Collins as the backup. And, and, you know, for people who don't know about Collins, Collins is a a very accurate passer. He's, you know, a big body, 6'5". Yeah. Heck, on his first drive against SMU, he had a rushing score, too. You know, so he's a little bit more versatile than I think people can realize. But what what would, playing both those quarterbacks, what kind of different looks could they show? Yeah, I mean, you know, like... Gary was saying in fall camp that, you know, all the passers they have now are all really talented at throwing the ball deep down the field. That maybe wasn't present a year ago with Kenny Hill, but now you have three guys, and I mean, I guess Rogers too, who's not going to play, um, that can throw the ball downfield really well. So I think you could see that from both of them. But like you said, Michael, you know, a very physical and big guy who can really power up the middle. Um, so I, I think that if Michael does play, we could see a lot of, you know, running plays from him as well, too. I mean, Sean might be the guy who you think of as the one who can escape and be really elusive in that regard, but... Uh, you know, if there's uh, anything to look out for, I'd say a lot of deep passes and a lot of runs, too. I mean, they're both guys who can, you know, be effective through the air and, uh, and on the ground, too. Well, you know, Dean and I work together at, at a site called DieHards.com, obviously. Oh, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, I actually wrote a big feature on Michael Collins. Uh, so he's got a really interesting story. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he started his career. He, first, he was a high school kid in Connecticut. I think he's the state's all-time leading passing leader. He was. Uh, at Connecticut. And then he enrolls at Penn because he commits to Penn very early, doesn't necessarily get uh, FBS and Power 5 attention. He decides, I don't care. He, he was in line to be a three-year starting quarterback at Penn. Uh, it, instead, decides to come to TCU, even though he knows that, hey, I'm going to be competing with Sean Robinson, Justin Rogers, Max Duggan next year, Bram Kohlhausen. He doesn't care. He wants his opportunity to, to, to play at a high level. I mean, he's a really fascinating kid. Yeah, definitely kind of. Kind of a one-hit wonder, almost in some ways. I mean, right. you just don't see many guys in that in that scenario like he's you know been in. But so far, it's really paid off, which is cool to see. And uh, you know, him taking a chance, leaving an Ivy League education to come to TCU, where like you said, people are already in line from Robinson to Rogers. It's cool seeing somebody you know work that hard, and now it's paying off with a chance to possibly play against Ohio State. I don't think anybody. He probably never imagined that happening two years ago, to say the least. <laughs> no, no, I mean, gosh, going from playing against Ivy League teams playing against Ohio State, that's the... Uh, Apples and oranges. <laughs> well, okay, so let, let's talk real quick about the defense. You know, obviously, Gary Patterson's known for his defense. TCU's known for its defense. They return a lot of production from last year's team. Um, where do you think TCU's going to be able to have the most success against Ohio State, and where do you think they're going to struggle most? Yeah, you know, I think this D-line that you have right now is one of the best that you've ever seen under Gary Patterson. Obviously, the loss of Blacklock hurts 
uh, as you mentioned earlier. But uh, you know, if they can get to Haskins, then uh, that, that's probably going to be the biggest strength they have. I mean, you even have Ty Summers, like you were saying, who's adjusted from linebacker to defensive end pretty well. So a lot of versatility, a lot of size. Ben Banigou being there, obviously a threat to anybody. Um, I could see maybe the secondary being a bit of a vulnerability. Um, you know, obviously you have maybe not as experienced of a group there. And if Ohio State is throwing the ball down field more than they have historically with Haskins too, uh, that could be maybe a bit of a concern to some extent. Um, but I mean, like you said, this is a, I mean, defense is what TCU is known for. So I don't think any unit will struggle too much, but there could be some hiccups against a team like Ohio State of that caliber. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch Gary make his adjustments as he does all the time, uh, you know, on Saturday night. But uh, I would definitely see how, you know, or keep an eye out for how they react to the deep ball if Ohio State does uh, decide to pass downfield more than maybe what we're used to or expecting. Well, I'm going to make my pick later in the show. But, uh, but Dean, do you have a pick right now? Now, TCU is 13.5-point underdogs. So we know that Vegas has a pick, but what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, you know, I mean, this is a very daunting task, as I said. My gut says that this is probably going to be Ohio State's ball game in the end. But, um, you know, Gary, like, like we said, has always been a guy who's coached the team up, has always pulled off the upset here and there. You think Oklahoma State a year ago, Oklahoma – uh, you know, in 2014 when they were the number four team in the country as well. Um, so say what you will, I'll say the Frogs win it by three. I don't know how high All scoring right. or low scoring it will All be, right. but I think that it's going to be a dogfight. There'll be a lot of, you know, hard hits, a lot of smash mouth football. But I, I think that this is the time, just with all the factors, with the comments made by the former president from the playoff, I think this is the game that TCU really just lays it all on the line. And maybe it's ugly, but they, they squeeze out the win in the end. The most important stat of the day, TCU is 6-0 and when playing on college game day. Yes, that is true. They're putting that up on the line against number four Ohio State. It's going to be a great game. Now, for people who are coming to Fort Worth or Arlington, where do they need to go eat? Yeah, um, Heim Barbecue. Hello. <laughs> um, that, that place is just the best place on earth. So I would say get, get down to Magnolia, um, get some Heim Barbecue. Closed on Tuesdays, but not really an issue in this case. No, no, no. Today we can't go there, unfortunately. Oh, so. Man. Bummer. Um, yeah, Heim Barbecue, definitely the place I would say to go. Uh, check out downtown. A lot of great places there to eat, to walk around to. Um, even just go to campus to walk around. You have places like Dutch's across the way, Great Burgers, Buffalo Bros, a uh, great little sports bar you can watch other games at before. Uh, granted, the game's not going to be played at TCU's campus, but still a cool place to go hang out if you got time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, North Texas is a great spot to be in. The whole area is really just a phenomenal place to, to explore. But, uh Definitely make an effort to kind of go around Fort Worth and see all that it has to offer. But uh, Heim Barbecue, if I had to give you one place, and Shahan knows firsthand that that's one of the best barbecue places uh, around oh, in Fort Worth. Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. If you can if you can make it there on Saturday, now it's probably going to sell out crazy just because. Uh, yeah. You know they, they they sell until they run out. And get the bacon ends. Get, <laughs> get the burnt the, bacon ends. Get, get the burnt you bacon anything end. you got to get, it has to be the bacon ends. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dean, how can we follow you on Twitter? Yeah, at dwstraka49. That's S-T-R-A-K-A for the last name. Awesome. Well, and uh, you can go to Sports Page, too. We have our own Twitter account at S-P-T-S Page. Like I said, I mean, I just wanted to make sure it was called Sports Page. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate you asking that. No, no, no. So, again, SportsPage.com has some tremendous TCU content. I'd recommend that anybody subscribe. And, Dean, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Well, when we come back after the break... I'll be making my picks later in the show, but first we're going to have Danny Davis on from the Austin American Statesman to preview Texas versus USC, so we'll see you after the break. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Now on the line, we've got the Austin American Statesman's Danny Davis. He's here to help preview Texas versus USC. Danny, how are you doing? Doing all right. Should be a fun weekend here in Austin. Uh, let's just hope the uh, weather allows a football game this weekend, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, and, and actually to start off, uh, you know, obviously Texas kind of brought in a whole bunch of uh, new ideas for a game day experience. What did you think? Do you think it helped at all? Um, I mean, it's tough to say. It's Tulsa. But, um, right, right, right. You know, the, the atmosphere at the game was something you wouldn't expect for a Tulsa Tulsa game. There were a lot of people outside the stadium walking through. I actually had a trouble walking into the uh, media entrance because there were so many fans around. And, um, you know, the students showed out for a Tulsa game. I was actually pretty impressed by how many kids were there an hour before kickoff. And, you know, for Tulsa bringing in 90-some thousand and 
everyone being loud. You know, it helped that they had to stay around until the end of the fourth quarter. But uh, you know, it was a pretty good atmosphere for you know, you know, a non-conference game against a school that Texas doesn't have any history with. So USC, I'm sure the people will be there pretty early for uh, those cheap beers with weather permits, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be very rowdy and very loud, and should be should be fun. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And, you know, just looking at, at the game right now, I mean, even though Texas and USC have both lost games already, it, it still seems to be a very anticipated game. Uh, you know, Ticket City, our, our sponsor and, and our partner, actually even said that this is the hottest ticket of the weekend, even though there was a loss on the schedule. Uh, what is the anticipation like in Austin right now for that game? I mean, truthfully, I'd probably rather be at TCO Ohio State, but, you know, <laughs> Texas, uh, USC, I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, it's not a rivalry, but... You know, these two teams have treated their fans with some pretty good games over the last couple of years. So, I mean, I think people just kind of look at that. Um, they remember, you know, obviously the 2006 Rose Bowl, um, and people are still still bragging about that. I remember a couple of years ago, um, I had a friend that went to USC, and um, she gave me a sweatshirt, and I was just walking around downtown. You know, so I guess it's more than a few years ago if I was downtown, but I was walking around that sweatshirt and walked in to a bar and someone just started screaming vulgarities at me about, you know, wearing a USC sweatshirt. And so, I mean, that just kind of tells you what people, you know, still think about USC down here and people are you know, excited, especially after last year, Texas uh, kind of showed some people some things, probably the high water mark of their season last year. So um, I think people are excited. This is the best home game on the home schedule since uh, Oklahoma is uh, in um, Dallas and obviously Texas doesn't play in A&M anymore. So this is kind of the, marquee game at home so people are going to be excited to see what happens you see obviously struggling a little bit this year and so is texas but you know this should still be a game that people will want to see well like you mentioned these two teams played last year and you know this was sam ellinger's second start he gave usc everything it could handle they were number four in the country at the time eventually they lose in double overtime 27 to 24 uh looking back to last year and, and up until now how do you think this team is different from last year at this time? And how do you think they're the same? I mean, obviously, you know, some of the faces have changed. Um, you know, Deshaun Elliott, that was kind of his breakout, you know, moment last year. And people kind of got to, got to know him. And he's now in the NFL with the Ravens. Um, Sam has obviously gotten the chance to mature a lot um, and get more experience under his belt. Um, you know, there are also, you know, new faces pretty much in a lot of different positions. But, you know, it's still – same coaching staff, so the defense is going to have that Tartar Lando feel. Offense is going to be the, you know, whether you know you want to credit to, credit it to Tim Beck or Tom Herman, but so you know, same philosophies in offense and defense, and some new faces. But you know, a lot of that stuff is the same, and it's just a matter of some of those young guys who stepped up last year, um, just kind of maturing and growing up, and a little bit more stability on the offensive line. That was the Connor Williams getting hurt game last year, so I'd just say. Um, the same things are the kids that played last year just getting more mature and the philosophies and you know, the differences are just you know some of those new faces stepping up and you're going to see some freshmen like Caden Stern, B.J. Foster, um, and Trey Watson, the grad transfer from Cal. Those are some of the, the fresh faces that you'll see, you'll see this week. Well, last week, Texas did struggle a little bit down the stretch. Uh, you know, they were up 21-0 at halftime, but, but it ends up being just a 28-21 game. What kind of went wrong in that game? Um, they probably got a little complacent there in the, in the third quarter, and also made a couple couple of big plays. And you know, Texas had to kind of you know, find find that gear and restart and get get to the finish line. But you know, I don't think this Texas team is good enough now anymore at this moment to be just kind of putting anything into cruise control. Um, you know, any you can't you know be this team and take anyone for granted because you know the other team's playing lights out. They can come and come and surprise you. I don't think anyone ever thought. Um, that Texas was actually going to lose that game. But, you know, Tulsa definitely did make it uh, competitive there at the end and made them sweat and keep their starters in in all game. But, yeah, the second half just wasn't a, wasn't a good uh, second half, and they had, to, they had to dig deep and finish it out. Well, Texas didn't let necessarily lose a ton of their actual production on defense, but they seem to lose a lot of their biggest playmakers, guys like Puna Ford, guys like Deshaun Elliott, Holton Hill before he was uh, suspended for the end of last year. Are there guys right now on defense who you think can kind of take that next next step the way that Deshaun Elliott did last year? I mean, Chris Boyd's probably their playmaking um, cornerback. He's my actually my pick for Big Twelve uh, Defensive Player of the Year on my preseason poll. So he's going to have to step up, especially a team like USC is going to throw it a little bit better than Tulsa and Maryland did. Um, 
linebackers, Gary Johnson was a JUCO recruit last year, um, showed some flashes and, um, you know, he's ejected from the Maryland game uh, for targeting, but, um, you know, he's going to be, you know, when he actually gets to play full games, he's a, he's a force out there, nice uh, blend of power and speed. And you got, you know, guys in the defensive um, line, like Brecken Hager is kind of a fan favorite here just because of who his fam- you know, family past is and his wild hair and his uh, sack abilities and, a guy like Charles and Charles Chris Nelson on the line too. So, you know, people like that have got to step up and then you got the young stars like Caden Stearns uh in the secondary. So they, they have they have some names and you know people will get to know these guys over the course course of the season. Well, Texas has decided to stick with Sam Ellinger through the first two games. Uh, you know, last season, obviously, you had some switching off, and some was due to injuries with Shane Bouchelle and, and Sam Ellinger. And Ellinger did struggle a little bit in the first game. Um do you think it's the right decision to kind of stick with Ellinger and ride some of the highs and lows? Yeah, I mean, I at, at some point this decade, Texas is going to have to find his quarterback and stick with him. I mean, this uh, you know, picking and choosing and going back and forth and having a different controversy every spring hasn't worked out for them. So, you know, Shane has done his part and he's been a good sport about it, but this needs to be Sam's team unless uh, Sam just cannot get the job done. So let's move over to USC for a second. You know, last week they lose 17-3 to to Stanford. Obviously, Stanford's a great defense, but uh, they're starting a freshman quarterback, JT Daniels. What do you think Texas is going to be able to do, and what do you think they have to do to be able to to cause some issues for Daniels? I mean, they need to get pressure on him. I mean, Texas has not only has one sack this year, not a lot of quarterback hurries. Granted, you know, Maryland's quarterbacks are kind of run first, and Tulsa was getting the, doing a good job of getting the ball out quickly. But you know they need to pressure a freshman quarterback, make, have him make mistakes, and you know the defensive backs are going to have to you know make plays in the balls in the air, um, which is what they did partially against Sam Darnold until the you know second half of that game. So you know get pressure, get pressure, and defensive backs are going to have to you know make a uh, Daniels pay for the bad passes that will likely come because he is a freshman uh, probably his you know, second biggest game that he's faced because Stanford obviously was a pretty big test last week so like like we've talked about you know this isn't the same USC last year was number four USC with a first round NFL quarterback in Sam Darnold this year they're number 22 they're still nationally relevant but they have a loss on their schedule but still what what would beating USC mean for Texas and for Texas's season um, this season it'd be big. I mean, when you lose to Maryland and struggle against Tulsa, people are, you know, the Sharks are definitely out here. It doesn't help that, um, you know, TCU is having a good season and Jimbo Fisher had, you know, a pretty close loss to Clemson last week. So, I mean, Texas, there's some pressure here in Austin. Um, and Tom Herman's not losing his job anytime soon, but there's definitely some people who are angry here. So, you know, even USC, it wouldn't be like it would be last year when they were ranked fourth, but it'd still be a ranked opponent and a big win, probably the biggest win that uh, Tom Herman would have would have here at Texas so far. So, you know, it is it is number 22, but it would still be a, a big win and a sign that things are moving forward here in Austin. Well, I'll make my predictions a little bit later in the show, but but Danny, how do you think this game is going to go? I mean, I'm going to pick USC. I know Vegas has Texas favored by a little bit, but, you know, Texas has to show me something, and if I'm wrong, um, you know, I'll be more than happy to hear about it in my mentions on, on Twitter, but yeah, I will, I'll be picking USC, and um, I expect the Trojans to win. What a close one. These games that Texas plays against ranked opponents have been pretty close, but I expect the Trojans to win. One last question before we go. For fans who are going down to the game in Austin, what, what's the go-to place that they need to, to hit while they're down there? Well, I don't think they'll have time for time for Franklin, so I'd, I'd, I'd check out one of the uh, – a Tex-Mex place or a taco joint is my favorite place to get breakfast tacos if you're here all day. So, you know, there's, there is no shortage of uh, places to eat as my, uh, and here in the city as my gut would uh, a, a, attest to. So uh, pick, pick your poison. There's, there's lots of good places to eat here. That's Danny Davis from the Austin American Statesman. Danny, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Great. When we come back after the break, we will be making our picks Once again, thanks to Danny Davis, and uh, we'll be back with you after the break. Well, thanks again to both Danny and to Dean for joining us this week. Uh, Really appreciate both of their insight, and I think we got some great stuff about both the Texas versus USC game and TC versus Ohio State. But now you're stuck with me, and we're ready to go make some picks. So again, you know, I don't pick against the line. Maybe that's cheating a little bit. Week two, uh, you know, there were a bunch of sort of 
unbalanced games than blowout games. So I did go 10 and 0 picking, let's just be clear. But now I'm up to 17 and 3 on the year and look, it's only going to get tougher from here. <laughs> the non-conference games tend to be a little bit easier cuz you have some FCS matchups, you have some, you know, Power 5 versus F, uh, lower level FBS matchups, even some in- unbalanced Power 5 matchups. It's going to get a lot harder. <laughs> it's about to really start getting a lot harder as we get into week 4 and week 5. And actually <sighs> Just looking at the schedule right now, there's a whole lot of close games that I'm picking. I I mean, there could be a lot of competitive games, a couple of upsets even maybe. It's going to be a fun week. And let's go ahead and get right into it. 11 a.m. on SEC Network, we have UTEP traveling to Knoxville, Tennessee to take on the Tennessee Volunteers. UTEP, of course, riding a 14-game losing streak. They lost last week 52-24 to UNLV on the road. They sit at 0-2 on the season. Oh, boy. <laughs> if you're UTEP right now, do you really want to be facing an SEC opponent? I, I mean, granted, Tennessee's not exactly the best team in the SEC, but my goodness, the disparity in talent is just gigantic. It is just gigantic. I mean, Tennessee, obviously, they have so many four- and five-star prospects, and that doesn't necessarily mean anything when going against other Power 5 teams, but it sure means a lot going against a team that hasn't won a game since 2016. I predict that Tennessee is going to, dominate UTEP 42 to 3 uh again I just don't know what else there really is to say for UTEP right now they're they're still trying to install some stuff they're still trying to get their system in there but they're very far away next up we have Baylor versus Duke 2 30 p.m on Fox Sports 1 Baylor moved to 2 and 0 on the season last week uh they picked up a win over UTSA after beating Abilene Christian week one uh they doubled their win total from last year I mean if, if you want to look at it that way but uh Baylor does look a lot more comfortable. Charlie Brewer did have 328 yards, three touchdowns. He looks like that player that we expected him to be coming into the year. Uh, Matt Rule said that they will alternate between Jalen McClendon and Charlie Brewer, but I expect Brewer to get the majority of the snaps against Duke. And Duke is off to a 2-0 start this season. They beat Northwestern 21-7 last week, but it didn't come without a price. Quarterback Daniel Jones is out for the foreseeable future. He suffered a shoulder injury against Northwestern. So now Duke will turn to Quentin Harris, who's only thrown 15 passes in his college career so far. Uh, And and Jones really demolished Baylor last season. Uh, He was really almost able to have his way with them. Um, He really opened things up for the running game that also had some breakaway touchdowns. And I think his loss is really going to be felt this weekend as the game is at McLean Stadium. I think Baylor ends up winning this game 30-24. to 24. I, I, You know, Duke is going to be able to do some things, and Duke has a very good front seven. I mean, they're going to be able to do some great things defensively. Uh, Baylor might struggle to run the ball, especially if their offensive line continues to have some inconsistencies and issues. But at the end of the day, I think Baylor moves to 3-0 and on the year, uh, which, again, I think that any Baylor fan, that's all they want heading through three weeks, uh, just to move to 3-0. and And I think this is going to be a very important game for the season because – if Baylor's going to make a bowl game, they have to go 4-0 and through these first four because they played Abilene Christian and UTSA. They played Duke this week, and, and maybe it's less of a, uh, a good indicator as it might have been if Daniel Jones was healthy. But then you play Kansas the next week, and, and Kansas doesn't look like a nobody anymore. I mean, they don't look great, but they don't look like a nobody. Um, so you have to start 4-0 and in those games and find two more on the schedule. And I think that they can find two more on the schedule, but there's absolutely no shot of making a bowl game in my mind, if you don't beat Duke. So this is going to be a big one. I think Baylor pulls it off at McLean Stadium in front of the home crowd, 30-24. to 24. SMU travels to the big house to play against number 19 Michigan next up. That's 2.30 on the Big Ten Network. All, by the way, all of these times are central time, so just, just to be clear. But SMU has to travel to face off against one of the most fearsome defenses in the entire country. And, and last week they played a very good defense in TCU, Gave them a lot. You know, they, they lost 42-12 to 12 against TCU, but Michigan is a whole nother animal. I, I mean, just up front, you know, you talk about Rashawn Gary. It's just, they are absolutely fearsome in the front seven. They might have the best front seven in the entire country. Not necessarily the best front four alone, but once you include those linebackers in there, they might have the best linebackers in the entire country. And last week, they beat Western Michigan 49-3. to three. And look, SMU... Did have a good performance against TCU last week, but I still don't know if we know exactly what they are. Because, again, week one, they get demolished. They go down 36-0 to against North Texas. And, and again, that's 
a game that they didn't get up for. But talent-wise, are they going to be able to stick with Michigan? I mean, we've seen Sonny Dykes as the head coach for three games. And for two games and half of the game against TCU, the second half, they looked horrible. Just absolutely horrible. Ben Hicks is averaging only 48.4 completion percentage, only averaging 5.9 yards per attempt. I mean, he does not look like a competent quarterback right now. I, I just don't think that they have what it takes against a Michigan defense that really is able to cause all sorts of issues with their front seven. And they're very good on the back half, too, just to be clear. I mean, their front seven is one of the best in America, but their back half is also outstanding. I don't think it's close. I think Michigan ends up beating them 55-7, to seven, uh, and SMU moves to 0-3. 0-3 to start. Definitely not ideal. Texas Tech hosts Houston at 3.15 p.m. on Fox. In a matchup that uh, a rematch of last year's game, uh, Texas Tech was able to to come in and they were able to cause some issues for Houston and they were eventually able to, to pull off a win in Major Applewhite's first season at Houston. But and I, I don't think it's going to go this way that way this time. I, I just really don't think it's going to go that way this time because I think that Houston proved last week against Arizona, 45-18 win. They can contain good offenses. Their defensive line is really fearsome. Obviously, we talk about Ed Oliver as the best player in America, arguably. I, I don't think it's going to be as comfortable. For I, I don't think Texas Tech's going to be able to be as comfortable as, as they want to be against Houston's defense. Because when they played a Power 5 opponent in week one of the season, and granted, Alan Bowman was thrust into a starting role or into a, a significant playing time role that he wasn't ready for. But... Texas Tech really struggled offensively against Ole Miss, who doesn't have a great defense. They have speed and athleticism, but they don't have very good scheme. They don't necessarily put their guys in great positions, and they struggled. And now you're playing against a Houston defense that is very well coached, that is able to wreak havoc up front, bring some pressure on, you know, we don't know who's going to start a quarterback, but probably Alan Bowman, because McLean Carter is still questionable with, with a high ankle sprain. I think that Houston's going to be able to cause a lot of issues. I, I really do. And Derek King on the other side of the ball is playing so well right now. Ed Oliver says that the Heisman campaign should be for Derek King, not for uh, not for him. And we'll disagree with him there, but King is playing very well in his first full season as the full-time starter. I think that eventually that's the trump card. I think Houston wins 38-34 to in a very exciting game. And uh, and they, I think, move to... What did they move to? 3-0 on the year. Yeah, they'd move to 3-0 with the win because they beat Rice and they beat Arizona. Next up, we got UNT traveling to Arkansas. My One of my favorite games of the weekend. I mean, TCU Ohio State is awesome, and that's the one I'm going to go to, and that's fantastic. But UNT at Arkansas is a very underrated game. That's at 3 p.m. on the SEC Network. UNT dominated SMU Week 1. They dominated Incarnate Word Week 2. Those, aren't, those are two ve not very good football teams. That's fine. Uh, Mason Fine leads the country in passing yards per game with 431 passing yards per game. He also has seven touchdowns. He's the best quarterback in the state. I've said it many, many, many times. Arkansas last week lost to Colorado State 34-27. to Not a very good Colorado State team either. They, they really struggled in their first two losses of the season. Uh, losing to Colorado, and losing to Hawaii. So this isn't inconceivable that UNT could pull off this win. Arkansas doesn't have a whole lot of clarity at the quarterback position. Obviously, they brought in Chad Morris as head coach, a, a coach that Texas fans know very well from his time at SMU, and as a high school coach, of course. Um, but Ty Story and Cole Kelly both are part-time as the starting quarterback. And I think that's really cost them so far. They've only combined to complete 62.7% of their passes in Chad Morris's offense and, and that's just not gonna get it done against M Mason Fine who is again one of the most accurate passers that we see one of the best decision makers that we see um you know they, they have a great running back Debois Whaley who I believe is a Texas kid um you know so they have talent they obviously have a huge talent advantage on both sides of the ball against UNT but whew, I don't know this UNT team is rolling right now they're absolutely rolling they they've gotten off to a tremendous start and look I think that this is a Super Bowl of sorts for them if they can beat Arkansas then to me you have to put them in the group of five uh New Year's Six Bowl discussion you have to 
I, I mean, because if you go and dominate an AAC team, if you go and dominate or, or just beat an SEC team, I mean, I don't know what else there is to do. If UCF goes undefeated, okay, fine. You know, they have cachet, whatever. But UNT has to enter that discussion because FAU has not looked that good two weeks into the season. And UNT has looked phenomenal on both sides of the ball two weeks into the season. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I might regret this on Saturday, but I'm going to do it. I'm picking UNT to win 35-31. to 31. Get off to a 3-0 start. Seth Luttrell, coach of the week, whatever, whatever. Mason Fine, player of the week. I think they do it. 35-31. to 31. Take it to the bank. Don't really. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you what. I'll be watching that game closely. UTSA at Kansas State is up next, 3 p.m. on on local Fox Sports networks. Uh, UTSA, like we mentioned, lost 37-20 to 20 last week against Baylor. Um, you know, they gave them some trouble, but not a ton of trouble. I again, like we talked about last week, they're in the bottom eight of Bill Connolly's S&P Plus rankings. Uh, Kansas State, on the other end, lost 31-10 to 10 to Mississippi State in a game that was never close. Some thought that maybe Kansas State would be able to compete, but it just really wasn't to be. And, and Kansas State sometimes struggles in the non-conference slate, even if they end up being okay. Um, but it was never close. And Mississippi State's a good team, but, but Kansas State had no shot. But going into this week, I think that Kansas State's going to be able to move the ball pretty well against UTSA. UTSA did hold Baylor to under 100 rushing yards, but I don't think they're going to be able to do that against Kansas State. They they bring in a, an offensive tackle in Dalton Reisner, who could be a first-round pick next year. I mean, they've got a really talented offensive line. Uh, obviously, they always have good uh, quarterback play and and good running back play. They're, they're balanced. They're able to move the ball both through the air and on the ground. Defensively, they're solid. And, and I just don't think that UTSA is going to be able to score very much against them. And not necessarily that Kansas State's going to move the ball as well either, but I think that Kansas State is just able to move it just a little easier with their quarterback platoon of Skylar Thompson and Alex Delton. I think that they eventually win 31-14 to in a game that's maybe not even really, really that close. Next up, we got Texas State traveling to Mobile to take on South Alabama. That's 6 p.m. on ESPN+. Texas State picked up a win last week over Texas Southern, but they allowed 20 second-half points to Texas Southern, a, a not-very-good FCS team. Now, Grant, that's face-off against Trendavian Dixon, who we have talked about extensively on this program. But they didn't look great. Their secondary looks all right. And, and again, they, they were up by double digits, by 20 points, uh, 20 plus points in the second half and heading into the second half. But it wasn't a great end of the game against a team that they should be able to beat fairly easily. South Alabama hasn't had an opportunity to really get a win so far. They got dominated 55 to 13 last week against Oklahoma State. But I don't know. I, I still just don't know if I see it with Texas State. Willie Jones is barely completing half of his passes right now. Um, I... I just don't think it's coming together right now. And South Alabama is not very good, but I think that they'll be good enough. It'll be a close game, but I think South Alabama wins 28 to 24. Texas A&M faces off against Sunbelt opponent ULM at 6.30 p.m. on the SEC Network. Last week, obviously, they played in a tremendously exciting game, losing 28 to 26 to Clemson. And obviously, Kelmon played the game of his life, 430 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. And now I think that they're going to use that confidence and they're just going to absolutely kick the crap out of uh, ULM. ULM did win last week against Southern Miss 21 to 20, but the week before they only beat Southeast Louisiana 34 to 31. So they are 2 and 0, but they've won their games by a combined four points against two not great opponents. So I think that uh, ULM comes into this game, just gets absolutely dominated. I think it's Texas A&M 55 to 7. Easy win. Kellen Mond has another great game. Nick Starkle gets plenty of time. Connor Bloomrick gets some time. And hey, maybe even James Foster gets in the game at quarterback. Now we're heading to the night slate. Texas hosts number 22 USC in a rematch of last year's game. Obviously last season, USC was able to pull off a double overtime victory, 27-24. to And look, Texas and USC are very different teams than they were last season. Texas maybe is, is further along than they were last season. USC is definitely not as far along as they were last season. They lost quarterback Sam Darnold to the NFL. 
Now they're running out true freshman quarterback JT Daniels instead. And Daniels looked like a freshman last week. Uh, you know, he threw two interceptions in a 17-3 loss to Stanford. And look, Texas has the playmakers on defense to cause a lot of issues for him. I mean, they do. Will they? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know whether they will. Because they haven't been able to really cause a lot of issues for quarterbacks in their first two games. Like Danny mentioned, you know, great stat. They've only forced one sack so far against their two opponents. And and Maryland and Tulsa aren't exactly bringing the best offensive lines in the world there. Now, USC also doesn't have a very good offensive line. So they might be able to go up and get some pressure. I mean, guys like Charles Omanihu, they need to be able to get pressure. Brecken Hager needs to be able to get pressure. They need to cause issues for their freshman quarterback, JT Daniels. Because if not, I don't think that the offense has enough firepower to to win a shootout. Um, you know, offensively, Sam Ellinger's looked okay. I mean, in in the first game against Maryland, he threw a critical interception, and people might remember last year against USC that that Ellinger had a critical turnover that eventually cost them the game after throwing what looked like a game-winning touchdown too uh, at the end of regulation. But look, I think that Texas isn't as far along as they hoped. They are, I believe, three-point favorites in this game, but I think that USC just has a little bit more talent that's proven. I think that JT Daniels has a big bounce-back game after his performance against Stanford. I mean, again, this is like the second time in the last 50 years that a true freshman has started for USC. So JT Daniels is really good. They have a lot of faith in him, and I think that faith will pay off this week. I think USC wins 28-24 to at Daryl K. Royal Stadium. Um, it's going to be an exciting game. It's going to be another close game, but I, I just don't know whether Texas has proven that they can win these close games. That, that's my big issue with Texas. I don't know whether they can win these close games because, look, they beat Tulsa by seven last week in a game that they were up 21-0. to zero. They lose a five-point game against Maryland the week before. And even if you look at last season, four-point loss to Texas Tech. Uh, they lose to, by 17 to TCU, but then three-point loss to Oklahoma State, five-point loss to Oklahoma, three-point uh, loss to USC, 10-point loss to Maryland. I mean, the only game that they really pulled off, you know, sort of late heroics to win that was a close game was against Kansas State last year when they won 40-34 to in double overtime. And it took them double overtime to do it. So I don't know. I, I just don't think that Texas can hang around in – a close game and I think it will be a close game and I think eventually USC is going to be able to pull away and now the game of the weekend college game day is going to be on hand in Fort Worth for number 15 TCU versus number four Ohio State it'll be played at AT AT&T Stadium Jerry's World in Arlington I'll be on hand make sure and pay attention to textfootball.com to to make sure that you're getting all the latest coverage the game's going to be 7 p.m. on ABC, nationally televised, huge stage for both of these teams. I mean, obviously, Ohio State's used to it. TCU's also relatively used to it, but the opportunity to play in your backyard on national TV is never something to, to, to not take seriously. TCU didn't look great last weekend in a 42-12 win over SMU. Sean Robinson, you know, has had some issues with turnovers. He really stared down an SMU defender. SMU doesn't have a great defense, but he stared down an SMU defender, started one of six uh, for the game. He needs to be better against Ohio State. But he does have that mayhem factor because of his legs. He's able to create some uh, some opportunities with his legs. He's able to keep the play going, move the ball downfield. That's the sort of stuff that you need to be able to do to beat Ohio State. Um... Ohio State, on the other end, they're starting a new quarterback after JT Barrett graduated. Dwayne Haskins, through two games, he has 546 yards and has completed nearly 80% of his passes for nine touchdowns with only one interception. And through two games against Power 5 opponents. Now, granted, Oregon State and Rutgers, two of the three worst teams in the Power 5, but they scored 129 points. Like, that's absurd. They scored 77 points last week. I, I, whew, I mean, it's going to, or sorry, I think that they scored 77 points against Oregon State, maybe. But the point is, whichever one they scored 77 points against, I mean, they are a potent offense. Gary Patterson, when I was in, our, in Fort Worth on Tuesday, compared them to Oklahoma's offense from last year. Because with J.K. Dobbins on the ground, with Dwayne Haskins through the air, they're able to beat you in almost every way. And everyone knows that, Basically, every offensive tackle you're going to be facing off against is a five-star. So 
TCU's going to need to be able to get some pressure on the quarterback, going to need to be able to stop the run, going to need to be able to seal the edge. And offensively, they're going to need to do it against, again, Clemson last week was the best defensive line in college football. Ohio State's a close second. I mean, Patterson said that three of the four uh, defensive linemen could be first-round picks. I don't know about that, but they're really, really good. And their front seven is really, really good. And their secondary, of course, Jeffrey Okuda, really, really good. They have playmakers everywhere on both offense and defense. It's an absolutely horrific matchup for any team. And TCU has a lot of talent. TCU has a lot of guys who know how to play this game. And Gary Patterson's going to find some weakness. He's going to find something. You know, Dwayne Haskins hasn't really had to face a good defense as yet especially not a good secondary. And TCU does have to replace some names in the secondary, but they've got an experienced secondary. They've got some names in the secondary who have been productive for them before. I think eventually that's going to be huge for them. And I think I think that TCU is able to keep this game close. And I think at this point, again, TCU is the number 15 team in the country. Sean Robinson's a very young quarterback. I think that if they're able to keep it close, I think that's a huge win for them. But I think Ohio State eventually does pull it off 27 to 21. Um, but I think that it's a little harder for them than they expect. And again, these two teams have a lot of history. Not on the field, but kind of off the field. You know, I, and I mentioned it, I think, a little bit earlier in the show. But, you know, former Ohio State President Gordon Gee called TC schedule Little Sisters of the Poor. And then obviously in 2014, Ohio State jumps TCU, which was ranked number three in the, the penultimate college football rankings. Well, they were ranked number six on the way out, and Ohio State jumped them, made it to number four, and were number four in the college football playoff rankings. And they eventually made the playoffs and eventually won a national title. In, in a year that TCU sure looked like they could win a national title. And maybe even that they should have won a national title. I mean, you saw what they did against Ole Miss. They buried them in 2014. So now Ohio State's up. TCU gets a shot at them. There's, It's going to be an emotional game. It's going to be an exciting game. I'm excited to be there. But I do think Ohio State eventually just overwhelms them with talent, 27-21. to 21. Well, folks, thank you so much for joining us. It's going to be an exciting week. Like I talked about, man, we got three games to me that are tremendous with TCU, Ohio State, Texas, USC, and UNT, Arkansas. And even, I mean, Baylor-Duke isn't necessarily a huge game, but it's a huge game for their season. It's only week three, and we already have games that will have an impact on the rest of all of these teams' season. And Texas Tech-Houston, you need to watch all these games. I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to watch all these games. I don't know how you're going to be able to watch all these games. But all five of those games are must-watch to me. I mean, they are absolute must watch you know whether you have to go to a bar whether you have to get it up on your computer you know buy some more tvs i don't know you got to find a way to watch these football games because it's an exciting week in the state of texas and folks we will be back here on sunday to recap everything that happens on saturday because you know what we love you guys <laughs> we love the fans we're, we're out here for our listeners we want to make sure that we are back to talk about all of this great football and look I don't know what I'm talking about, okay? I just mentioned those five games. Something crazy is going to happen in one of these other games. Something crazy is going to happen. I can promise you that. Because this is college football, and that's where craziness happens. So we'll be back with you on Sunday to help recap everything. Thanks again to our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. They're very helpful. Go and check them out. Go buy a Honda. I did. I love it. It's fantastic. And folks, we will be back with you in a couple days to help recap all these games. So for Dean Straka, for Danny Davis, I'm Shahan J. Raja. Thanks for listening. <laughs>